Well, this is a good month because we had the Good Shepherd Part 1, the Good Shepherd Part 2, the Good Samaritan last week, and today we have, on the screen, that was like, boom, (laughs) the Good Busy, the Good Busy. Now, there is a four-letter word that describes your life right now. Busy is what I was thinking. I'm not sure what went on in your head right there. But I was going with busy, okay? Because today it's December 19th, six days until Christmas. Anyone here just got a busy week coming up? Anybody? Yeah. I mean, you look at our program, what we have inside there, and there's something going on every day, right? I mean, I was sent out an email just to invite you to all these things that are going on. Uh, Wednesday night, you know, family movie night, Thursday morning, men's breakfast and Bible study. That's not even probably uh, mentioned on there, but that's something that we have each week, a Bible study. We're adding a breakfast to it. Thursday night, youth Christmas party, Friday night, Christmas Eve service, Saturday, breathe. (laughs) Sunday, uh, service, but yeah, a lot going on. Life's pretty busy, and a lot of times when we get really, really busy, it brings on a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. Have you ever been so completely overwhelmed with life, with all the things that are going on, and then you talk to that Bible quoting Christian who gave you this one God never gives you more than you can handle? That's not even a Bible verse. I'm going to tell you where it comes from today, though. But you just want to punch him in the nose, right? Come here, Rudolph. <laughs> right now, busy is not even a choice. I mean, it's a reality. It's crunch time. I get it. It's Christmas. But my question for you is, I wonder, is your everyday life like the week before Christmas? Are you always crazy busy doing a million things? How do you describe your busy? Would you describe it as a good busy? Or would you describe it as a bad busy? Busy with things that don't really please the Lord. Because I think when we are good busy, we please the Lord. When we're bad busy, I think it tends to cause us to ignore the Lord. Because we're busy with all the other things. A good busy can bring peace and purpose into your life, as you'll see today. But a bad busy can bring stress and anxiety and lead to burnout in your life. And I think we do have a choice that we make. How are you going to live your life? Are you going to live it with busy, good busy? Or are you going to live it with not so good busy? It's your choice. You have a choice to make. And that's what I want to bring to you this morning through the story of Mary and Martha. And before we dive into that scripture, let's pray one more time. Father... May your word today that comes from the good book, as we call it, Father, it it is a blessing to preach your word and, and to see that everyone in the Bible is like us. They're normal people that rely on you, a holy God. We're just natural people who need a supernatural experience with you. Father, I pray that you help us to hear your word today and see the truth and not just be informed, 
but be transformed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's a familiar story, follows right after the Good Samaritan from last week, but Luke 10, Luke writes this story, kind of gives us this little glimpse, little story of Mary and Martha. And I had to cut out um, the other two times that Mary and Martha show up. We'll come back to them later on in the new year as we keep going through the harmony of the Gospels. That's what we've been doing all year. But uh, Mary and Martha will show up again in John 10 and 12. But here in Luke 10, verse 38, it says that as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village. This is about six months before his crucifixion. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister named Mary. And Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Now, most Christian women will identify with either Martha or Mary. Am I right, ladies? Raise your hand if you're a Martha, and raise your hand if you're a Mary. I don't really see too many raising their hand for Mary. Which is what what I thought. A lot of us kind of relate to Martha. And we identify with these two women in two ways, really. There's there's the way of their personalities. And if you read the encounters that they have with Jesus the two other times in in the Gospel of John, you'll see really see their personalities. But here we see kind of their actions, what, what comes out of their personalities. And I I think, honestly, Martha is a type A personality. She wanted everything just right, and she wasn't going to stop working until she got it that way. Can you relate to that, Marthas? But sometimes your personality will work against you, in this case. Sometimes it's a strength, but here we see it's a weakness. Now, personally, I want as many Marthas here at Life of Purpose Church as I can get, because you all get her done. I can count on you, Marthas. You will go the extra mile, won't you? Chrissy is Martha. She gets the job done. But sometimes, Marthas, you don't know how to say no. You don't know how to stop and just sit at the feet of Jesus. Amen? You don't want to let anybody down. And if the Son of God is coming to your house for dinner, you better not let him down. Everything has to be in order. And this is why Martha got caught up in what I call a bad busy. Busy with the wrong things. But one thing that I see in here is that, the re- mainly the reason why I see that she got caught up in a bad busy is because she yelled at Jesus. One thing I know about being a Christian is you don't yell at Jesus. 
You don't tell Jesus what to do or what to say. Martha tells Jesus, tell my no good lazy sister to get up and help me, Jesus. You can see the stress, the veins popping out in her neck. She was experiencing mucho anxiety. Anyone here relate to that? I know. Have you ever said something or done something, you just thought, ooh, boy, that's not me. I regret that. But it's just so busy. i got to get it done. But now I know what some of you are thinking. Because I'm married to a Martha, too. She gets the job done, and she told me how you think. Martha is getting the job done. She's serving. Who else is going to make dinner? Who else is going to clean up and set the table? Who else is going to... Not everybody can sit at the feet of Jesus. Somebody's got to get up and do the work. Am I right? That's what you're thinking. However, it doesn't matter if you're a a man or a woman. We have our times in life where we act like Martha, and we think that we'll rest when all the work is done. And we get appalled with those people who sit on their lazy boy recliners (laughs) and they don't offer to help. Depending on your personality, you might act like Martha a lot. But we need to act more like Mary. Mary here is able to ignore the work that should be done and she's able to worship the Lord. She's able to just sit at the feet of Jesus and just... Just realize that he is everything she needs. I mean, maybe you can recall a time when you could do that. You could just sit at the feet of Jesus and just realize he's everything I need. That's being a Mary. And your time with the Lord can never be long enough. You like being busy with the Lord. I think this is the reason Luke shares this story is because sometimes we all get caught up being Martha busy. But sometimes we can be Mary busy, and that's the right choice. You've got to make the right choice. The choice is yours to make. The choice isn't whether or not you're going to be busy. We already know the answer to that. You're going to be busy. But are you going to be good busy, or are you going to be bad busy? See, Martha was busy with everything that she wanted to be done. And Mary was busy with everything that Jesus wanted to be done. And that's the difference. And that's why Jesus praises Martha, or Mary, not Martha. Mary made the right decision. She focused on Jesus. Her eyes were fixed on her Savior. She was a good busy. One of the the great reminders, I think, that Paul gives the church is in Colossians 3, Two, which will come up on the screen here. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Oh, we get so caught up in the things that are on the earth, don't we? All the little things. I mean, there's the guy who wrote a book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it sold millions. That's what, that's what Paul is saying right here. Don't sweat the small stuff. Focus on the things above. 
God is always going to ask you this question. Are you putting me first in your life? He's never going to stop asking you that question. It's a daily question. Or are you waiting to get it all done, and then you'll fix your eyes on Jesus? Then you'll spend time with him. So, Unfortunately, if you're trying to get it all done first, it's never going to happen. No matter how much you do right now today, no matter how hard you work, how late you stay up, you're never going to get ahead. You've got to choose the Lord first. There's a place in the Bible that you wouldn't think I would go to on a Christmas message, but it's in the book of Haggai. Haggai is a prophet, a minor prophet. He, only, he writes a very small book. It's only two chapters. But I want to tell you the story because I want you to see why you'll never get ahead as hard as you work. Remember, the temple was the house of God for the Jews. It's where they went to worship God. It's, when, it's how they got closer to God. And I know that sort of still applies today. People believe they have to go to a church building and get closer to God. But remember, the church is the people. That's the church because God is in us with the Holy Spirit. But they would go to the place to worship God. Solomon built the temple, beautiful, magnificent temple in 957 B.C. Um, it stood for about 400 years, and then the Babylonians came through and destroyed it in 587 B.C. Then, 50 years later, the Jewish exiles came back to rebuild it. Now, give you some perspective. If you leave your yard unattended for one whole year, what will it look like? Well, they left it for 50 years. So you can imagine what it looked like and how hard it would have been to overcome everything to build it. And honestly, they gave up. They stopped rebuilding the temple. And they focused on their own houses. And that's where Haggai comes in. Haggai says, chapter 1, verse 4, speaking the words of God to God's people, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? I assume that means really fancy houses. While this house, God's house, lies in ruins. Verse 5, therefore says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I love it. Consider your life. Just take a look at your life. He says in verse 6, you have sown much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but you're never warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. I love that verse. I mean, you ever feel like that? There's just never enough money at the end of the month? That's what he's saying. Why is that? Verse 7. Consider your ways. Go up to the hills, bring wood, build my house, and I'll take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified. You look for much, behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Boy, that was written a long time ago but yet still applies today, doesn't it? They didn't put God first. They were busy with their things. 
They ignored the Lord. And when you ignore the Lord, he can and will make it impossible for you to get ahead. You can't put God last in your life and expect to finish first. It doesn't work that way. So it's time for a change, right? It's the new year coming up. Time to make those New Year's resolutions. But it will take some effort. And it will take, I think, some diligent effort. It took 22 years for them to finish this temple. 22 years, and they finished it. And it stood for another 600 years until 70 A.D. Change isn't always easy. It takes time. But it's possible. I lived my life a certain way for about 24 years, and then the Holy Spirit opened my eyes. I started reading the Bible. I came across Romans 12.2. Changed my life. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. I've been living my life according to the way everybody else said you should live your life. I've been following people, following their ways, and God said, you don't have to do that. You, you don't have to fit in with the world. Don't fit in with the world. They got problems. <laughs> Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I began to allow the Word of God to renew my mind. It changed who I was. And when it came, when it came to different things in my life where I, I could feel myself kind of going back to the old way, right? You know how that works as a Christian? You kind of feel yourself being sucked into the old life, the old way. We're a new creation. We're not supposed to do that, but we find ourselves getting sucked into the old stuff. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what's common to man. What you're going through is normal. God is faithful, though, and he'll let you, not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape so you can endure it. You know, this is a wonderful verse, but unfortunately it's often misquoted because people read that verse and they say, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's where they get that from, this verse. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says God doesn't say that. God says, I will give you a way out. I'll help you escape the temptation. There's always going to be something for you to do, something to be busy with, something to take your focus away from God. But the Holy Spirit will help you not be busy with those other things, not be tempted to go off and do something that isn't important. He will provide a way out. I'm sure Mary's, Mary felt her sister's presence. I'm sure Mary got a few dirty looks from Martha. And she walked over to her and, you know, did one of those things they did growing up, probably. Kneed her, kicked her, something. I don't know what you girls do to each other to beat each other up. Stein's got how many girls you got? Four girls. There's some elbows going on in that family. So Mary felt the pressure. But you know what? She didn't do it. She stayed right there at the feet of Jesus, and she worshipped him, and she chose the good busy. When you choose the bad busy, it's going to lead to stress, anxiety, you're going to ignore the Lord. But a good busy will bring peace and purpose in your life, and that pleases 
the Lord. I have three things to give you, three ways to help you stay on track and be busy with good things and not bad things. Would you like to hear those three? Amen. All right. Number one, play hot potato. Remember hot potato? Yeah, you know, you get something, you're like, you get rid of it as fast as you can, right? It's hot potato. Get rid of it. Well, that's the key to the game. Pretty simple game. Play hot potato. We'll do that with the anxiety in your life. Whatever it is that causes you anxiety in your life, just play hot potato with the Lord. Lord, here you go. I don't want it. You take it. And, 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 and this isn't something I'm making up, folks. Peter says to do this. He says, cast all your anxieties on the Lord. And when the Bible talks about casting, I get excited because I love the fish. <laughs> cast your anxieties. Okay, here you go, Lord. And I can cast far. Cast it all. Hot potato. Here you go, Lord. Paul explains it, though, what happens when you cast your anxieties on the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, you don't like that verse. I'll come back to that in a second. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, here's the result, casting your anxiety on him, the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful verse. Is that not just so, just so calming, just so relaxing, that verse? But when you read, don't be anxious about anything, you get a little mad because you're like, what are you talking about? I get anxious. How can I not get anxious about anything? Things cause me anxiety. That's not what it says. It's not what it means. It doesn't mean anxiety is not going to come upon you. We all have emotions that come upon us. It's what we do with the emotions that matter. Right? It's a choice. I read a whole book in seminary. Anger is a choice. Like, there, we have a choice when stuff comes on our life, in, in, into our life. And it, what it means here is, is that you can give to God anything, anything, anything that causes you anxiety, you can give it to him, and you do that through prayer. And sometimes that works right away. I mean, how many times have you prayed and just like, boom, you were like, wow, that was fast. God just took away that, that anxiety, that care I had. Sometimes it takes some, some real get-on-your-knees, prayer. Am I right? But when that happens, hot potato, pass it on to the Lord, pray, keep on praying, pray without ceasing, as Paul said, lay it before the Lord. He's the miracle worker. With God, all things are possible. Am I right? Yes. And when you pray, God will take your anxiety and replace it with peace. Prayer is the first thing that you need to do. Always remember, play hot potato with the Lord. Pray. Cast your anxieties on him. Number two, What's it say on the front of your program today? That wasn't even planned. That's just Chrissy, like, tel I don't know, telepathy or something with the message. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. Well, that's what Mary was doing, right? She was being still. She was knowing God. She was learning from Jesus. She was listening to him. If you see my car, you'll see on the front, License plate, I have this verse, Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I'm God. It's an important verse to me. It's helped me make a lot of decisions in life. But there are times in life where you just need to stop moving. I think it's so funny. I coach eighth grade basketball because my son's an eighth grader. And I coach 16 boys uh, in the gym. And 
I will give them instruction. And when I'm giving them instruction, I tell them, just stop dribbling the basketball and listen. That's your job right now. Just listen to what's going on. They can't do it. They can't stop moving. They're just like, the ball, ball falls all over. What is there, butter on the ball? Just hold on the ball, stop moving, and listen. And learn. Be still. That's what God is saying to us. Be still and know that I'm God. And if you read the whole Psalm 46, which I recommend you go home and do, you'll see those 11 verses are wonderful. In fact, the first verse, I wanted to bring that to your attention. It says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Oh, man. Don't we need God to be close to us when we're in trouble? Yeah. God is always right there for you. You call him anytime, he's right there. And then it says throughout the, the, the verse, verse 10, I'll bring you back to that, there's more to the verse than just be still and know that I'm God. No matter what happens on this earth, it says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. God's bigger than any trouble you're in. He's bigger than any debt you have. He's bigger than any problems you got going on in your relationships. He's bigger than everything. Psalm 46.10, be still and know God. Know him. Whenever I, I remember this was, there was a time in my life I had to make a real big decision. There was a couple different paths I could have gone, and this verse just was there. Be still, know that I'm God. And I just was still, it was so hard for me because I'm a doer, I'm a, I'm a get-her-done kind of guy, and, you know, give me a goal and I'll accomplish it, and it was just be still, Matt, just be still and know that I'm God. And I just, for like six months, I felt like I was just, okay, I'm going to be still. And I heard from God, and I went that route. I know you have lots of decisions you have to make in your life. Be still and know God. Wait for him. You can't say Jesus is Lord of your life if you make all the decisions. He's your Lord. Lord means boss. He makes the decisions. you got to wait for him. When the Lord says, what you do, you obey. And that's really how you live a life of purpose. Be still and know God and live a life of purpose. Finally, make tough decisions. Sometimes you've got to make a tough decision. It's not a popular decision with everyone, but it's a, it's a tough decision that has to be made. And I tell you what, you can do it. You can change. Are you a bird that must fly south for the winter? Are you a bear that must hibernate in the winter? No. You're a human being that can make any decision you want. You want to change? You want to live one way for 20 years and make a change and live a different way for 20 years? You can do that. You're a human being. We have that ability. So if there's something that's been causing you stress and anxiety and it's just you don't want to keep doing that anymore. And you, you need to make a change, and you, and you don't know quite how. You know a decision has to be made, and you don't know. It's a struggle. You're afraid, ah, if I do, if I make this decision, I'm going to let some people down. You've got to make a decision. You've got to do it. Nine years ago, our kids were seven and four, and Christmas time was nuts. I mean, Jamie and I were both teaching full-time. I was pastoring this church as well. 
teaching full-time. She was teaching full-time. And if there's a teacher in the house, what's the hardest stretch of the year? From the start of the school year till Christmas. Hardest time of the year as a teacher. It's just difficult, and you're tired, and you get to the end, you get to Christmas break, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't take this anymore. It's just, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Anybody been there? Yeah, and you get there, and well, Jamie and I, we were pretty wiped out, and I would say that 10 days off from school should be like a nice break, you know, and we're going to come back and start the new year all refreshed. But it never happened, because every Christmas, we had a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, and I come from a divorced family, and so there were relatives to see and parties to go to, and we would pack up these kids and, and, and cart them all over the place. And sometimes I remember we went to three different functions in one day. It was like ridiculous. And we get to the end of the 10 days and we're like, we're not rested. We got to go back to work now? This, this, this isn't fun at all. Well, a friend of ours would tell us that every Christmas he would go to Florida with his family and they'd do Christmas in Florida, where it was warm and the sun was shining. And we thought, well, that sounds great. Sounds relaxing. But we, we can't do that. We'll let our family down. Grandparents want to see their grandkids. Just be weird. You know, wake up. There's no snow on the ground. Just, just didn't, didn't think it was possible. But you know what? We tried it. We did. We just said, okay, let's do it. Let's make the decision. Let's... Let's go. Let's give it a shot. I'll never forget the day we left. Jamie bought the kids for Christmas little cute suitcases. You know, they had their little suitcases, and there's a four-year-old and a seven-year-old walking through the airport, you know, a couple days before Christmas. And I'm taking pictures, you know, and, and all this fun stuff. And they never flew before. So this is the first time on an airplane. And we get on the airplane, and Jamie's got it all figured out. Man, she's got games for them to play and snacks. You know, moms, you got those big bags that you called purses, and yeah, and she had it all set up for him, and we get on this plane, and you know, I'm nervous for him a little bit, I'm wondering if, you know, they're going to freak out a little bit, and well, we, we go on the plane, take off, everything's fine, and we land, and you know, sometimes when you land, it's like, man, you like stop abruptly, like the thrust of the plane, everything, and I'm kind of watching, I'm like, how are these guys going to react, you know, and my son, who's four, reacts, basically summed up the whole trip. We land, stop, it's quiet. He goes, yells out, that was awesome. <laughs> and the whole plane's laughing. And I'm just like, yeah, that was awesome. We get off the plane. I got this picture of Jamie. She's like this in the sunshine. And we had the greatest vacation because we were in the sunshine together and we were swimming in the pool and we were just bonding as a family. It was just a, a, an awesome trip. But it was a tough decision that we had to make, and, but we did it. And this year, well, in about seven days or so, we'll be making our ninth straight trip to Florida because it's where we go as a family. It's a tradition that we have, and it helps us de-stress, and it's a wonderful time of the year for us. And my favorite white Christmas is a white sandy beach Christmas. So I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's my idea of a white Christmas. But let me tell you, life is much better when we act like Mary. Isn't it? 
when we get busy with good things and we don't worry about all the crazy things that are going on. And right now, you might know someone or it might be you. You're just a little bit too busy with a bunch of little things that don't really matter to Jesus. The kind of busy that keeps people away from God and his church, that, that ignores God. The kind of busy that, well, it's like putting your, your wages in a bag of holes. We don't want to be living our life like that all the time. If I've heard it a hundred times, it'd probably be an understatement. But I've heard people say to me all the time, oh, I'm, I'm going to come to church, Pastor, as soon as I get my life in order. I, I'm going I'm to uh, start reading my Bible this year. As soon as I get a little more time. I'm, I'm going to help volunteer. As soon as this, this kind of got a busy thing going on, this little project at work, I'm going to start volunteering when that's over. I'm going to give more as soon as soon as I get my, my finances in order. Does any of this sound familiar? Because I hear it a lot. And it's bass acros. It really is. Because Jesus says, come to me just the way you are. Let me fix you up. Let me get your house in order. That's what Jesus is saying to you today. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you took the time to come. But don't let this be a one-time thing. You've got to keep coming to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me just the way you are. In fact, he says in verse 28 of Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. All of you who are busy, busy, busy. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and I will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. God doesn't call you when your house is in order. He calls you when your life is falling apart because he delights in making it whole again. Our team is going to come up and sing a new song. We've never sang this together in church, but as you sing it, if the Lord speaks to you, don't ignore him. There's an altar right down here, these steps. You can come down and kneel on these steps, and you can surrender to the Lord. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to the Lord before. Maybe you've never said, I want to be a Christian. How does that work? Come down here and talk to God. If you don't feel comfortable coming here, you can do it right in your seat. But I promise you, Jesus has rest for your soul. We don't have to be busy with the bad things. We can be busy with the good things. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And thank you for your son Jesus who invites us to come to him and we can find rest for our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.